Hello and welcome to another edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. I'm Chris Sork, alongside D. Louie, as we look back at K-State's dominating 75-57 win last Saturday in historic Gallagher-Iba Arena against the Oklahoma State Cowboys. It was a game that was kind of nip and tuck for about the first 15 minutes, but K-State really uh, stretched it out, took a a 16-point lead into halftime and coasted to a 75-57 win over the Oklahoma State Cowboys. We'll also be previewing Tuesday's matchup with the KU Jayhawks in Bramwich Coliseum. With that being said, I want to welcome in D. Louie here to this edition of the Short Side Option. And folks, you, you should see him, man. He is just chopping at the bit to get ready talking about some K-State basketball. Hi, Chris. I thought you were chomping at the bit, Drew. You... I'm, I'm stoic. I'm reserved. Oh, you, you seem more I'm... amped than normal almost, I thought. Laser focused on tomorrow night. I, I want to see a, a K-State team that goes out and repeats the performance that, you know, I predicted. You did. Uh, against Oklahoma State. And it was, I think, fair to say the best K-State's played all season. On Saturday, um, they've had a couple games where they've looked really complete, but against Oklahoma State was uh, the most complete they've looked all year. And it's a big game tomorrow night. Give a chance uh, to K State to go out and secure a further lead against Snob Hill uh, in the Big 12 title race. And I think that uh, if they play like they did on Saturday, they will certainly uh, extend Oh, that if they lead. play like how they did on Saturday, they'll coast to an easy win. Absolutely. Because KU has not had success on the road up to this point in the season. Uh, they've gotten uh, outplayed. I believe they're 1-5 uh, in five on the road uh, so far this season, but certainly a dangerous team, a, a program that has had some success winning on the road, of course, uh, under Bill Self. So we'll, uh, we'll get into that here a little bit later, but uh, we're coming to you Monday night. Uh, here on the sh- on the short side option podcast, and a couple games going on in the Big Twelve tonight. Uh, Iowa State uh, going on the road to Norman to play Oklahoma. Uh, West Virginia uh, goes on the road uh, to Lubbock to take on Texas Tech. I- Iowa State right now, uh, a lot of t- a lot of folks are thinking that they are uh, maybe the most complete team in the Big Twelve. Uh, they go on and uh, face an OU team that's really kind of struggling right now, uh, coming off of a, a loss this Saturday in Morgantown. What do you think that uh, when you look at these teams before we get into the Oklahoma State game, when you look at Iowa State, not necessarily in this game, but in terms of how they've been anointed as one of the the lead dogs here in the Big Twelve, do you see the Iowa State Cyclones having some staying power at the top of the standings? Yeah, I think that Iowa State's a very good team, um, led, of course, by Shayok. But uh, that's a team that's tied with Kansas State right now. Well, technically, K-State has the tiebreaker. And, I and guess, a half, yeah, the yeah half and a half really, game, excuse yeah, me. So but, that'll be, and that's a big game that comes up in Manhattan here, uh, here shortly. Yeah, and for K-State, going on the road already and winning in Ames, that's huge. K-State gets the return game here. In a couple weeks, but uh, in terms of the cream of the crop of the conference, I think it's uh, certainly you'd be remiss to exclude Iowa State from that conversation. I think that, that over the last couple weeks, they've really done a good job of 
uh, showing that they can hang with just about anybody in the league. Yeah, and I, I would agree with that. I think that they're probably uh, probably one of the top contenders, top three uh, teams. I think it's a really a muddled race. I still don't quite know what to make of uh, the Baylor Bears. I'm very surprised by their start. But uh, then when we look at Texas Tech, uh, their performance uh, last Saturday against KU really kind of signaled to me that this is a team, quite frankly, that I just don't have a lot of faith in. Uh, to really go out and, and and win on the road necessarily against a, against a team like KU. Now, nothing, not to you know be too hard on them as they are. Uh, it's a tough place to go win on. However, um, was was expecting a lot more out of their performance, and uh, they've kind of hit a slide here uh, as, as they've kind of got more into the meat of their Big 12 schedule. So uh, we'll we'll kind of uh, just just want to touch on those two games here as as those are some. Uh, those are a couple contests that have quite a bit of impact here on the league race uh, as we get kind of here to the halfway point of uh, the conference season. Crazy to believe that uh, only a month left of the regular season. So Yeah, and as we talked about Iowa State, now if they go down and lose in Norman tonight, that would shift the landscape quite a bit in terms of their yeah. perception and the, perspect- the perception of uh, who's going to be a player here towards the end of the season in terms of who's going to win the conference. But uh, as of now, as of about 6.45 on Monday night, uh, you got to like Iowa State's chances. Yeah, definitely be interested to see by the time this is available. Uh, you'll know the outcome. So definitely uh, something that we're keeping our eye on tonight. So let's go ahead and get into looking at K-State's 75-57 to really dominating performance over the Oklahoma State Cowboys. This was a game that was pretty well nip and tuck for most of the game, uh, for most of the first half, excuse me. K-State grabbed a, uh, grabbed a lead with about nine minutes left to go in the first half. It was pretty well tight between there. And then with about three minutes left, uh, they went on a 13 to nothing run from the 317 mark. To take a 43-27 lead into halftime, and that's a lead that they uh, they never relinquished. As they put away Oklahoma State, uh, you know, fairly easily last Saturday in Stillwater. Yeah, and as you mentioned, with 317 left to go in the first half, Iowa State scored a bucket to draw it within three. Iowa State wouldn't score again. Oklahoma State. I, oh yeah, excuse me. Oklahoma State wouldn't. We got score Iowa again. State on the mind. Yeah, that's right. I, Sorry, I threw you a curveball. There. Yeah, but Oklahoma State wouldn't score again until thirteen fifty nine left to go in the game. So that's uh, over nine minutes of the game without scoring. That's almost on par with some of K State's scoreless streaks this season. I don't think K State's gone all season without scoring for nine nine whole minutes. Maybe some field goals, but yeah, I uh, no. But to be shut out for almost a quarter of the game, that uh, that's going to make a huge difference. Of course, K State uh, extended their thirty to twenty-seven lead out to forty-nine to twenty-seven at one point, um, and that's where K State started. Uh, by that time, K State was almost in cruise control mode um, because it uh, it just got so ugly there. But K State would. Go on to uh, get this out to a 29-point lead at one point, 61 to 32, before this uh, the Cowboys 
got some garbage time and started mm-hmm. yeah. really making this thing look somewhat respectable. Well, and you know, it's easy to say, well, K State was had an out of body experience and shot fifty five percent from three on Saturday, and thus they were gonna just go out and dominate. But you know what? Oklahoma State shot over fifty percent from three too. Uh, they went eleven of twenty, uh, and so. Uh, yes, K-State did have an outlier shooting game from beyond the arc, but so did Oklahoma State, and especially against a team that defends as well as K-State um, to shoot 55% in their own right. So uh, you can say that, yeah, this was kind of a fluky shooting performance for K-State, but it was also a shooky, fluky shooting performance for the Cowboys, too. One thing I always like seeing when I go back and review these games and, and looking at the box score and the, and the play-by-play is in a game like this where – uh, it gets really out of hand in the second half, uh, you know, early on in the second half and where K-State's able to coast. I always like going back in this game. K-State scored their 58th point with 11.41 left in the second half. They could have not scored the rest of the game and still won. Just knee it out? Just knee it out. But uh, they, they wanted to get some other guys some, sh- uh, some shots and some stats. I- I'll tell you what. Talk about uh, the game that Dean Wade played, a, a real virtuo performance by him. Oh, absolutely. I mean, going 9 of 9 from field goals. Is it, wait, wait, excuse me. I'm going to back up. It's not virtuo. It's virtuoso. It's virtu- I was going to let it slide. No, but. hey, the icon needs to get his hands slapped. Yeah, Come on, yeah he was a virtuoso, a maestro uh, offensively on Saturday, uh, playing 30 minutes, going 9 of 9, uh, 3 of 3 from beyond the arc, 24 points. 3 of 6 from the free throw line, though. Yeah, a little, uh, what's, what's going on there, Not Dean? quite perfect. Yeah, he just needed to back up another five, six feet and let it ride from there. Yeah, and so obviously Wade had the game of his career on Saturday. I think that's fair to say. Uh, that's, oh, no, no, no. Oh, he's, I think that's the best game he's, he's got. Played. He's got more in the whole story. Oh, I mean, as of now, it's the best he's played in a K-State uniform. Hard to, hard to argue when you, you, you don't miss a shot from the field. Um, uh, tough, to, tough to argue that. But, you know... Because Dean played so well, it kind of buried uh, Barry a little bit. Because Barry Brown had a great game in his own right, too, going 6 of 11 from the field, uh, 5 of 9 from three-point range, uh, and scoring 18 points in total, and adding a couple steals. Um, so, you know, he, he didn't have the game that Dean had, but when those two guys combined for over 40 points, you got to like K-State's chances against anybody. Also liked what uh, Cartier Jada provided off the bench. 24 minutes, 10 points, doing a little bit of everything. He he was getting a lot of the assignment, too, on Lindy Waters uh, when he was in. Uh, and, and I thought did a really good job uh, limiting uh, Waters' effectiveness. He only had 12 points. A couple of those, uh, you know, kind of came in towards the end of the game where it was, you know, the outcome was decided. But I thought it was a solid defensive performance from K-State, holding a, a, a pretty explosive um, Oklahoma State team, more so at home in terms of when they get cracking from three. Uh, they, can, they can compete with a lot of teams in this conference. Uh, I know that they've had some, some games where they've let get away, uh, blew a 20-point lead, over a 20-point lead to Oklahoma at home earlier this season. But really a, a nice dominating performance by K-State. Um, of course, like I said, never really uh, you know, had the game in question the second half. 
And this was a nice workmanlike performance and something that you can feel really good about going into uh, the big matchup with Kansas on Tuesday. Absolutely. And, and I know we talked about it a little bit earlier that Oklahoma State made up a lot of ground in the last, uh, I don't know, five and a half minutes of the game. Uh, Oklahoma State actually finished this game on a 19-3 to run. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that was K-State pulled their starting five, certainly. I, I think everybody on the team got at least a few minutes of, of action on Saturday. So somehow this game was worse than the uh, – was uh, a bigger victory for K-State than the 18-point uh, margin of victory would suggest. But I echo your statements that this is exactly the kind of game K-State wants, especially after uh, such a poor offensive performance against Texas A&M two weeks ago – or I'm sorry, last Saturday yeah. – uh, going into what is the biggest game of the season. So let's, let's kind of back up. So – Last week we talked about how this team's inconsistence shooting the ball. You pair Oklahoma State and Texas A&M side by side. I don't know if you can find a more perfect illustration for that inconsistence. It almost makes me think that it almost makes me think and I know we alluded to it last week that the Texas A&M game they just quite frankly maybe more focused on league play, didn't take A&M seriously, didn't show up. Because when you see this kind of performance and you see what they did against A&M, you're like, what is this? This is the same team. And I'm not counting some of those games earlier this season against, of course, uh, the, the game against Texas, the, the, the game against Tulsa, I'll, I can give to this a little bit. But since they've had Dean Wade back, they've been – relatively consistent offensively in terms of in terms of what they're doing and that's why you saw you know K-State being on a now a six game conference winning streak I think but when you when you pair those two games together the A&M game and the Oklahoma State game you, you kind of look at those games and you come away with more questions than answers yeah and I mean I don't think it's as simple as, oh, well, they weren't taking A&M seriously or, or it wasn't a league game or anything like that. I just think that it's it's what we talked about last week, that this team is capable of being effective on offense, and there's no better illustration of that than on Saturday, that this team can shoot sometimes. But in other instances, they can go out and lay an egg like they did against A&M. I mean, it's, yeah. not, it's not as if K-State's been an offensive juggernaut or had, you know, great offensive performances, even in the wins they've had since Dean's returned. I mean, they put up 58 in a victory against Iowa State. They put up uh, 58 in a victory against Texas Tech. And so I think in a lot of those instances, the defense, is, the defense for K-State has been good enough to really mask some of the offensive deficiencies that, that K-State has. Uh, but on Saturday, there, there was no offensive uh, deficiency. It was just K-State put together their best offensive performance, certainly in league play, and given the opponent, probably the best they've had all season with maybe the exception of the Missouri game earlier this year. Yep, yep, and the numbers bear that out. I was looking at uh, not Kim Parham, uh, but Bartovich basketball. Oh, yeah. It's another advanced basketball uh, website in terms of tempo-free statistics, and the Missouri game just barely edged out this Oklahoma State game is the most uh, efficient game for K-State on offense. And that was a game where everyone was ch- uh, chipping in. Uh, from Snead had a nice game. 
Uh, Dean Wade was was uh, was sensational as well. And then you also look at um, guys like Brown and, and uh, Stokes were, were chipping in too. So, I mean, you could say you could say that the Eastern Kentucky game was better. K State put up ninety five that game, but still went three of I'm sorry four of seventeen from three point range. I'm so. just telling you what the numbers say, man. Yeah, and I'm and I'm just saying that the Colonels uh, probably. They, they, might, they, might, they might want to put up an argument on that one for me. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> well, I'm just saying that uh, I think a game like that, K-State, it was probably easier for the Wildcats to go in and just do whatever they wanted to inside. Uh, and they probably played quite a bit uh, a faster tempo that game as well. Yeah. But uh, anyhow, I think we're both saying the same thing, that K-State had one of, if not uh, the best offense performance it's had Absolutely. all season. No question about it. K-State rolls over Oklahoma State 75-57. D. Louie, anything else you would like to, to add on this game? No, nothing really stood out. It was just cruise control for 60, 65% of that game. and so Just like you projected. Just like I projected. Just like That's you right. said. I told everyone. Did they listen? Hmm? Did they? I don't know. That's a question for them. You Did you? To- you have to you have to answer that yourself, listeners. Ask the listeners. Uh, that that's maybe, maybe a new segment there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, like I said, dominant performance for K State. We'll be back after a short break. As we look at K State's game on Tuesday, the Sunflower Showdown, as it enters Bramwich Coliseum. Back after this. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Short Side Option Podcast, where I'm here with Chris the Icon Sork as we break down Tuesday night's edition of the Sunflower Showdown between Kansas State and Kansas in what is sure to be a raucous environment in the Octagon of Doom. And Icon, I want to start out here from kind of a broad macro perspective, okay? Sure. If K-State wins tomorrow night, how do they win? What is the story of the game if K-State gets the W? Well, that's a, uh, that's a great question, Dilo. Uh, when I look at this matchup, if K-State's going to come away uh, with a hard-earned win, which it, it no doubt uh, will be, they're going to have to do a couple things. They're going to have to obviously limit Dieter Clausen's effectiveness down in the post. He's, if you haven't had a chance to watch him play, folks, a very, uh, very polished offensive player. Not a great athlete. Uh, like, you know, when you think of some of uh, KU's players over the last couple years, I don't think he's nearly as athletic as like a Josh Jackson or um, nearly as, as some of their post players, like a Josh Jackson. Kind of more of a, you know, Jackson kind of played out more on the wing, but where Lawson does most of his. Uh, work is down on the post. He's not as obviously as big of a guy as as Azubuke, of course, but uh, very similar in a lot of ways, I think, to Dean Wade. Uh, it's going to be a great matchup, I think, between those two, and I expect Dean Wade to uh, draw that responsibility on defense. However, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a little bit of. I wouldn't be surprised to see if you see a little bit of rotation between him and uh, May Ween. Uh, on Lawson, I worry though with Mayween, the foul trouble might get uh, get to be involved. But I'd expect to see a little bit of 
A platoon. A platoon. I expect to really see Dean be on him, though, uh, most and, and draw that matchup. What do you think uh, about for the most minutes there? Sorry to interrupt you, but go what ahead. do you think about throwing just just throwing bodies at? I mean, you say platoon, why not go full platoon and send uh, the denim man Levi Stockard in there? Maybe even Love to well, to just go in there and roughhouse a little bit just to keep people fresh on Lawson. Sure, no, that's certainly something that you could see depending on the, how the foul situation goes. However, I, I don't think K State wants to get too far into their bench in this game. Uh, with with getting into guys like um, the Denim Man, uh, Mr. Stockard, as well as you know, like if if Love or Trice were to get involved in the action, I feel like you lose too much on the offensive end of the court, and I, I don't think that that's you know what you necessarily want to do. Uh, this is a game really where I look at that is the biggest thing is limiting his effectiveness. He's going to go out and get points. He's going to finish this game with 15, 20-plus points probably. I, I, I feel comfortable saying he's going to go get his average, which is, what, about 19 and a half game, a game? That's exactly right. So he's going to be, he's going to be an issue, and he's, he's a very good player. However, I think the bigger issue in this game is to not let him get others involved. And what I mean by that is, is Dieter Glossen's also a very good passer out of the post and moves the ball well from whether if it's from the, the high post or you know when a team doubles him in the low post. I really don't want to see K-State double Lawson. Really, I, I don't mind them doubling him from time to time, but I don't want it to be a consistent thing. If you're going to be doubling him, I want it to be kind of at a, at a random time where they do it uh, to catch him off because – if you bring the double, he's going to be able to get, you know, guys like uh, LeGerald Vick, Dotson, and Grimes open shots. And while outside of Vick, I don't really, I'm not too terrified. I, I think Vick and Lawson or Vick and Dodson are their two best three-point shooters. With LeGerald Vick, it's it's always kind of a, a hot or cold night, which which you're going to catch him on because he can have those nights where he goes six of eight from behind the arc and, and really is a an effective player for him, or he can also go two for nine and be you know more harm than good. So I think really limiting Lawson in a one-on-one situation and being able to single cover him and limit that his effectiveness that way it should be K State's game plan against KU defensively. Offensively for K-State, it's going to come down to being being effective, uh, being efficient from all three levels, from down the paint, whether if it's with McCall Maywean and Dean Wade. Of course, when you look back, let's, let's kind of rewind here a little bit to the last time K-State played KU. Mm-hmm. Yudoka Azubuke was not in the lineup. He's not going to be in the lineup tomorrow. Was this, this was in the Big 12 tournament this, last year. This was. And the bell cow had a, this time I'll get it right, virtuoso performance against a the heyday. Jayhawks. He was, the Sprint Center was his own personal pasture that day against the Jayhawks. And he uh, turned in a great game. They were not able to cover him with Mitch Lightfoot. Uh, he, you know, worked him. Uh, you know, throughout up and down that game. And in a game that K-State was out without Dean Wade, of course, with the foot injury, also was without Barry Brown in that game as he uh, 
got his eye gouged out by uh, by some Kansas players in that game. Very dirty, but you 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 come to expect that from a from a program like Kansas. So I look at this game as a game that K State really should win if they play well. If they if K State does not win this game, it, you can probably point to one of two things. One, they did not turn in that KU had a good shooting game from outside, maybe due to some overhelping from the uh, you know from the post defense. But I look at this game as as a matchup that K State really has to feel pretty good about. Uh, KU doesn't have that dominant low post player in terms of a guy that they just can dump it into and he can just go slam it on you like they had with Azubuke. But it's going to be a really nice matchup between uh, Wade and, and Lawson. And whoever wins that matchup between those two probably has a leg up in this game. Well, and I, you talked a little bit about the bell count. I want to talk a little more about him. Um, he turned in a performance against Oklahoma State where he had one foul and played about 19 minutes. Now, was that a matchup issue against Oklahoma State? And if it was, is that a, is Kansas going to present a similar matchup issue that you'd expect to see Belkow's minutes uh, hovering at near or below twenty on uh, Tuesday night? Well, and that's could that, and that's a very good point. So with with Belkow against uh, KU back in the Big Twelve tournament, he was you know forced into necessity. I mean, he was an absolute one of the only. We had to go very small. We had four guards around him. And he was the, the lone man in the post. And that's where he was able to, to exploit because KU wasn't wanting to, to help off. They were just going to be content to let him, him go to work down there. This is a game where I could see KU, or KU going a little bit smaller. Uh, I, I think a lineup that you're going to see a lot now, there's going to be no Marcus Garrett. Uh, Bill Self announced today. Uh, he's going to be out with his ankle injury. So I'd expect to see a Baji. Uh, Abaji, Grimes, Dotson, Vic, and Lawson will start for KU. They'll go into the bench with Charlie Moore. Maybe a little bit of KJ Lawson, but I doubt they want to get him too involved. And, you know, maybe Mitch Lightfoot uh, comes in and and McCormick come in for a couple minutes uh, when K-State goes big or if, if they decide to go big with that lineup to get uh, to get Lawson a blow. But I think this game's going to be really more dominated out on the perimeter with, with Lawson and Wade uh, really being the two guys down low battling it out. You touched on this a little before, but I want to hear a little bit. Let's say the unthinkable happens and Kansas wins the game. If that's the case, is that due to uh, – KU just having a big night from beyond the arc? Is it just a matter of K-State uh, doing what they've shown that they can do sometimes, which is just not get the ball in the hoop? Mm-hmm. Um, would, would that be the story if KU were to come out? Yeah, I think that's – and I think that can match both sides of the, of the coin here. If, uh, if KU uh, has a – I mean, they shot the lights out against Texas Tech from behind the arc. Uh, I'm looking here um, at their stats as I get this pulled up. Shot 43%, shot pretty well from behind the arc, uh, 45% from the field. So a really a nice day for them. But when you look at it, this is what is, is most you know, eye-grabbing when you look at, at that three-point shooting performance. You look at Lawson, perfect three for three from behind the arc. 
Uh, Vic, three of four. Dotson, three of five. Uh, Abaji was able to make one. So all five of their starters, uh, Grimes chipped in for two three-pointers. If they have that kind of balanced shooting uh, from behind the arc where you know you, you can't really you know sleep on anyone out there, then this KU team is, is you know, a very talented team. They, of course, have guys that uh, go up and down their up and down their roster as as uh, McDonald's All Americans, but they haven't been a consistent shooting team all season. It's been one of their weaknesses. Sounds familiar. So, so it, it's not as necessarily as I don't think the lows for KU are as low as as K State when it comes to shooting the ball. Uh, but to say that KU doesn't have some uh, some concerns from shooting the ball behind the arc would be would be misleading. Okay, so we've talked a little bit about uh, what each team uh, really needs to do to win, but what do you expect from an X's and O's perspective throughout this game in terms of K-State fans should be very familiar with uh, Bill Self's defenses against mm-hmm. K-State throughout the years, really doing some interesting things in terms of varying zone and man. Uh, what do you, do you expect to see more of that uh, yeah. tomorrow night? Yeah, certainly. I expect to see all of it. Um, I expect to see I expect to see KU open up in, in man-to-man defense. Uh, that's traditionally you know what, uh, what they do. But I expect Bill Self to, to change it up. Excuse me. I expect him to mix in some maybe some straight up 2-3. I wouldn't expect to see so much straight zone. But I would expect fully to see some triangle and two, first and foremost. On, with, on Dean and Barry? Yeah, with Dean and Barry. I, I expect to see that. You know, there are, there are some games where I can remember back uh, where it was very effective, too, uh, against, um, against Michael Beasley and crew in, in 2008. Uh, nothing was working that night for KU. They uh, K State played one of their best games of the season that night, and they just didn't have any any answer for uh, Jacob Pullen and Michael Beasley that night. As as Pullen had a had quite the coming out party, pouring in twenty points in that game. I look at what K State or what KU has done though that has been effective in the past. I remember it would have been, believe it would have been the two thousand nine season, so the year before K State. Um, made it to the Elite Eight, uh, that memorable team. It would have been uh, Clemente's junior year and, and Poland's uh, sophomore year where K-State got out to a real nice lead and really was controlling controlling the game. But uh, a triangle and two on Clemente and uh, Clemente and Poland really stymied that K-State, K-State team and it was forcing, I, I remember it very well, they were, was forcing Dominique Sutton to have to shoot the ball wide open, 15, 18-foot jump shots, and it was just something that wasn't wasn't going in that day for him. Now, that could be somebody like Xavier Sneed tomorrow night who's asked to have to make some jump shots. Yeah, and, I mean, K-State's going to have to make jump shots, whether it's uh, Sneed's going to have to play well, uh, Jada. Uh, McGurl has seemed to play better at home than on the road, so I think he will be he'll be counted on. It's going to take some guys. Uh, I, it's not going to take anyone to have a real out of body experience. I don't think for for K State to beat KU by any stretch. But it's going to take guys playing well and uh, you know playing, making some shots when uh, they're presented that opportunity. And you know the one guy I think that I've 
identified as the real X Factor is the X Man, Xavier Sneed. What's what makes him the X Factor? Well, you just see, that he's not gonna, that they're not likely not gonna be able to account for him in any kind of man sense, and if they try to mix man zone. Well, if they if they play man to man against us the entirety of the game, then you know. At that point, you have to like your chances because I think Dean Wade can work on Diedrich Lawson because I think that's one of the other things, too, that's really a big point in this game is in a, if you've been watching uh, college basketball throughout, uh, throughout the season, one thing that countless uh, analysts have said, and I think it's a very good point, is that you want to make Diedrich Lawson play defense. KU, when he's not on the court – they look a little lost on offense at times. And if you can really put him in tough situations, whether it's guarding pick and roll or getting, uh, letting Dean Wade kind of bang on him down the post and, and you know, taking some of that energy away from him that way, it makes his offensive game that much less effective. So really, I think if KU plays man, it's going to be a lot on keeping Lawson um, – you know, running around, running off a couple screens now and then, get him involved in pick and roll to, to wear him down. But as it relates to Xavier Sneed, if KU does go triangle and two or box and one, and it's going to allow Sneed, Stokes, Jada, McGurl, it's going to allow them a lot of opportunity. And as we've seen with Sneed, it can, he can hit shots, you know, with the best of them some nights. Against Kentucky, he was the best player on the court that night. But uh, there have been some shot. There have been some times where you, you see him shoot and it hits the side of the backboard from the corner or, you know, complete air ball or sometimes, uh, you know, bricks it off the backboard. So his effectiveness is going to have to be – is going to be paramount to, to K-State's uh, chances to win this game. Well, and as you mentioned, Xavier Sneed – Shot two of five behind the arc against the Cowboys, which is a very healthy clip for him. Uh, Icon, we've kind of broken down some of the X factors, some of the what we expect coaching-wise. And, and one thing I'd like to add, too, about this is, you know, when I'm talking about Snead being able to, to shoot the ball well, it's not necessarily from behind the arc. And, and playing well and being efficient, it's not necessarily just all jump shooting from from behind the arc, it's it's working in the mid range. It's driving, you know, just because their guy's playing a zone uh, or a triangle and two or box and one or whatever the case is, doesn't mean you have to settle for outside jump shots. You can get to the lane and and Snead can drive the ball into the paint. I don't think that there's really. I think he matches up just as well as anyone, whether if it's with Obaji, whether if it's with Vic, in, in terms of an athlete standpoint. Uh, you know, he might be the best one out there. Well, we'll hopefully uh, get to see that on display. For me, I think Snead does some of his best work when he's slashing inside. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And, and making hard cuts to the basket. We saw a little bit of that against Oklahoma State, and frankly, I'd like to see him do that more often, especially coming from Dean Wade, who's shown to be a very adept passer yeah. down on the post. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to watch both Lawson and um, – Lawson and Wade go at it. I think these are two of the best players in the conference, and how that matchup goes is going to go a long way in determining this game. Well, speaking of the determination of the game, Icon, we've come to that moment. 
Do you have a prediction for uh, the game on Tuesday night? Well, D. Louis, we've laid it all out. It's all out there for everyone. The cards are all on the table. And I think the cards are all coming up purple. Cats, baby! I'm taking, winning? I'm taking K-State 75. Oh. K, er, excuse me. K-State 72. K-State 72. KU 68. Wow, so kind of a, a higher scoring affair than either mm-hmm. of these teams are used to. Yeah, 72-68, it's going to be a tight game. Uh, typically, these games with KU have been pretty nip and tuck throughout, uh, you know, in the last several years. I mean, of course, the last two years, uh, it comes down to the final possession, uh, you know, in Lawrence and, and in Manhattan. Um, they've been tightly contested games as well, so I expect none, none less uh, in this one. D. Louie? What say you? Well, I, I have a uh, – I'll spoil it and say I have a similar margin of victory. I'm, I'm saying a – but a slightly lower scoring game okay. in total. I'm, I'm going to – I got K-State 65-60 to 60 over 65 Kansas. 65 60, okay. I think, I think it's – both teams are going to show that they have a tough time scoring, especially – I wouldn't be shocked if K-State came out a little flat, um, yeah. as we've seen them do against Kansas and there, before. There's always a, you know – a pressure, especially when you know your rival comes to town, but this is a game that's got absolutely a ton on it for K State. With K State, you can really establish yourself as at the top of the teams to beat in the Big Twelve, and you can also keep KU uh, and push them a whole game and a half back behind you. Now, of course, there's a lot of basketball to be played now uh, between between now and the end of the season, but. A win here would go a long way in in really um, in really putting K State as as a lead dog in this conference. All right. Well, it sounds like we both uh, favor the Wildcats tomorrow night. That's uh, not to be expected because we're both very emo. Oh, we're gentlemen. extremely emo. Yeah. Um, do you think the chance can factor in? Oh yeah, absolutely. You think that could be for me? I, mean, I think talked about your X factor is the X man himself, but for me, my X factor is the chance. I think that could uh, be the difference maker. So, General Myers, I know you're a listener. Uh, we've we've talked many times on Twitter. Uh, go ahead and give the green light tomorrow night. Uh, I think the chant could uh, be the difference maker in this game, put the Wildcats over the edge, and really get inside the uh, noodles of the boys that represent Mount Orient. Consider uh, playing the chant early and often tomorrow night because uh, I think it's fair to say that KU is uh, weak mentally. They're, they're very weak. Weak emotionally. Uh, they have some talent, athletically speaking and basketball-wise, but uh, when they hear the raucous fans in the Octagon of Doom um, just embracing what's become a great K-State tradition in the chant, uh, I expect them to wilt uh, like sunflowers on a uh, frigid day. So we look here at this. Uh, KU is, I, I have looked at this here, uh, yeah, that's right. One in five on the road in true road games. This is a team that in the past has enjoyed success on the road, uh, you know, in the Big 12. But this is also a pretty young KU team. Uh, guys that haven't been with the program as long with uh, the exception being LeGerald Vick. But, you know, you, know, you look at your players, Dotson, Grimes, 
Lawson, and uh, Obaji, four of your five uh, starters will be uh, making their first trip to the Octagon. Wow. So they're ripe for the picking is what you're trying to say. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's our breakdown of the Kansas game, our Sunflower Showdown preview. Uh, The Icon and I both expect K-State to come away victorious in this game. And with that, we'll close the chapter on the preview of the KU game. And after this short break, we'll get in and answer your questions in this week's edition of Ask the Icon, as well as profile this week's Wildcat legend. Join us on the other end, won't you? Me and my best friend, legend, legend. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Short Side Option Podcast, where we are getting into a segment we call This Week's Wildcat Legend. An icon. This week's Wildcat Legend hails from the Bug Eater State. Okay. He's a Nebraskan. Uh, from Omaha, to be precise. He's a walk-on at K-State. He's a hard-nosed grinder. Got the K-State way. Got all five hearts there. I'm speaking of a six-foot guard who played for Jim Wooldridge. I'm speaking, of course, of Skylar Thomas. As I mentioned, Skylar Thomas was a walk-on. I'd like to just quickly say, oh, I would like to set the over-under at how many times I call him Skylar Thompson. Uh, you know, during this segment. Go ahead. Well, and on that comparison, and I think it's a really apt point, um, but Skyler, Skyler Thomas, I should say, he uh, he spells his name S-C-H-Y-L-E-R. Mm-hmm. How about that? Hey, I like that. That's crazy. But yeah, I don't know if he and Skyler... No, I guess he spells his name differently. He and Skyler Thompson are not related, but go ahead and double-check me on that. Okay. Uh, anyhow, uh, Skyler Thomas... Played for four years under Jim Wooldridge's Wildcats. Uh, you know what? His freshman year was the most run he had uh, in all four of his years, that 2002-2003 season. Uh, during that year, he was averaging a 1.4 points per game and shooting a fairly respectable 26% from three-point uh, range. Uh, that percentage would improve to 40%, a nice round 40% by the time he graduated after the 2005-2006 season. And Icon, what memories do you have of this uh, six-foot guard from Omaha? Okay, well, D. Louis, that was a great introduction of uh, Mr. Sky Thomas. And I have a couple memories. Uh, First memory is at... Jim Wooldridge basketball camp when I went um, after my fifth grade year. Um, I had a nice uh, bounce passing drill where Skylar Thomas was my, uh, was my partner in that drill. So I, I like to think that we have a, a, a personal connection there. Wow. How about that? Yeah. That's pretty how was, he, was he pretty good at bounce passing? He was very, very good. I mean, he was very fundamental. He was you know, showing how to, uh, to properly uh, get an entry pass into the post into the pivot, and uh, there was no one better at, at getting that done uh, than Skylar Thomas at Kansas State. Well, I, and just a point about his passing, uh, through his career he averaged five and a half minutes per game and uh, finished with a career mark of uh, 0.5 assists per game. So every other, every other game this guy was getting an assist. That's mm-hmm. about an assist every 11 minutes, um, which is pretty nice mark. Yeah. 
And it would have only been more had he had more playing time. That's right. Of course. So, yeah, Skylar Thomas, um, great player uh, for Kansas State. Many people, myself included, remember him uh, for his heroics in K-State's 59-55 win over KU in, uh, in Allen Fieldhouse in Larrytown as, uh, as he chipped in five points, including a three-pointer, as uh, K-State was able uh, to beat KU and uh, break an over 31 streak against him. Well, no, yeah, those were absolutely five huge points. Yeah, uh, I mean, they were the difference in the game. Absolutely. I mean, K-State wins by four. Thomas scores five. Uh, he and, of course, former Wildcat legends, well, current Wildcat legend, yeah. uh, Jermaine Diara, just heroes uh, in the eyes of K-State hoops fans everywhere. And they will be, and that's, they've been, they've been etched into the memory of many Wildcat fans, and they've been forever immortalized. As, as this week's Wildcat legend. All right, we're going to get into our final segment on the show, a segment we affectionately call Ask the Icon. Where Icon, Chris, the Icon Sork, will answer your questions every week. Yeah, I will. Sometimes more often than once a week. We've, we've been putting out content lately, and he's been working overtime. That's right. Put a pot of coffee on, because he's been up late studying these questions. Studying game film. Studying game film. Extensively. Just grinding on sports. That's all I do. And, of course, listeners can submit their questions to Chris the Icon Sork by tweeting us at TSSO underscore podcast. Or using the hashtag, Ask the Icon. Or, um... You know, I, w- I want to say, I didn't notice anyone had etched anything in my car this week. No. But if... It's the... I mean, we've said... The invitation's open. Folks. Folks, take all avenues. Or comment on our old Zangas. Yeah, it's mine's still up and running. Mine, I, mine's still up and running, too. If you can yeah. find it, you find one of those posts back from 2005, 2006... I check it. Hit us up. Hit us up. I'll read them. Anyhow, um, our questions this week came via Twitter. And the first one uh, came from listener Steve Z at SL Keck. Steve Z asks, If K-State and KU combined into one school, what would you choose for the colors in the mascot? And you can't choose red, blue, or purple. So don't okay. even think about doing that. Yeah. I'm not, I wasn't thinking about doing that. Okay. Um, I would... Ooh, this is a good question, though. Um, I would personally, I've always been a, a big fan of the orange and black combination. Oh, yeah. But it creates an issue. Because you got the pokes down in, in stool water mm-hmm. that, that have that same go- thing going on. So um, this is a tough one. But I deci- or, uh, decided that we'd make them uh, navy and silver, just like my beloved Dallas Cowboys. And uh, we'd go that route of uh, going by the Cowboys as well. Oh, that's a good... uh, So that wouldn't create an issue with Oklahoma State? No, I I don't think the name... Because, I mean, you look in the SEC, you've got... you got Tigers all over the place. Yeah, you've got Auburn Tigers, LSU Tigers, Missouri Tigers. Um, Yeah. So the the navy and silver, so kind of a... uh, Kind of a... Nevada, Yukon, look. Yeah. Well, just uh, you know, we've obviously we modeled our uh, football jerseys, which we're not going to talk about any further than that. After the Dallas, we Cowboys. don't care about. Uniforms. We don't care about the uniforms, but uh, 
the, the ties to uh, the Dallas Cowboys are prevalent, and uh, I think it would be well served uh, to to use them as a template for uh, just one universe in the state of Kansas. Well, it's a great topical question by a great uh, listener, Stevesy. Uh, good stuff by him. Our next question comes from listener M at KSU underscore funny 33 on Twitter. M posits the following question to the icon. What's your, what's your favorite memory from standing in line outside of Bramlage waiting for the KU game? Ooh. Well, man, that's a good question. Um, did you did you wait outside for many for many of those games? Yeah, no, I I waited outside for I guess every one of them. Um, I'll tell you what wasn't my favorite memory. So I remember there was a time where they had to go grab, you had to go grab like, <clears throat> excuse me, your wristband, because it, it was like a different color of wristband to determine which tier you were in. By the points that you had accumulated. Yeah, because that's when they were scoring students yes, based exactly. on their attendance. Exactly. So, I went to. I left the uh, the fraternity house. Went to uh, the ticket office. Grabbed my grabbed my um, wristband or grabbed my uh, yeah wristband. We'll call it. And headed in. And by the time I got back, I couldn't find my wallet. Your wallet. Yeah. It disappeared. So I went the entire week after that without um, any money. I was broke. That's very sad. So, uh, but I did have my ticket, so that was good at least. That's the so important I, thing. So I, I got to go to the game, which uh, K-State did not win, unfortunately. However, my favorite memory of standing in line was against KU my freshman year. Jacob Poland, 38 points against KU as they – Massacre the Jayhawks in 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 what's commonly known as the uh, the Valentine's Day Massacre, as K State rolled to an easy victory. What I remember about that day is that it was unseasonably warm, hmm. and uh, we were sitting inside. Uh, we were set on the west side of the football stadium. We were set in like at the fifty yard line, essentially. Like that's how they had it tiered out, and just sitting there, hanging out. I was actually in jeans and a t-shirt. That's pretty nice. That's a and nice February, way to wait for a game. And it was it was it was fine. I've had games where I've been freezing out there, and uh, this one that one definitely is the most fond memory. Nothing too crazy has gone on online though. You know, usually um, there there are a couple people that uh, got thrown out of line one time uh, for uh, trying to sneak in some uh, some Bartons, but. They they got uh, they got shut down that unfortunately for them so that was too bad. But we encourage all our listeners to do whatever they can to do sneak it. in whatever sort of whatever alcohol. you need whatever you need whatever you need to get get the job done out there. Or uh, what do you maybe sneak in a chicken? That would be awesome. That's the dream. That, that if if they sneak in a che- chicken, that would be that'd be iconic. That would be that would certainly ascend whoever did that to the level of icon. Uh. Casey Funny thirty three has a follow up question. Who's your most hated KU basketball player of all time? Oh man! So a, a common, a common answer, and I believe uh, I saw these come through, was Sharon Collins, who I hated, but I recognize that he was a damn good player, and I I tip my hat to him. But for me, and this is kind of a weird off the wall question or off the wall answer because. 
he really didn't do that much. He didn't really play a ton for KU. He only was there for a year, I think, or maybe or two. But I absolutely hated J.R. Giddens. Mm. I despised J.R. Giddens. So I remember K-State, it was one of those years, I think it was maybe the last year under Wooldridge. I think it would have been last year under Wooldridge maybe. One of his last years. Anyway, a team led by Jeremiah Massey. Love that team. Love Jeremiah Massey. And uh, K-State was you know, nip and tuck. Got that's a guy, it. By the way, Jeremiah Massey, I, that's a guy that reminds me a little bit of Lawson. Yeah. Just kind of a guy who can create down low yeah. on the post and find ways to score that maybe are a little more unconventional. Yeah. he's uh, that's, a, that's a decent comparison there, D. Lewis. That's a good job by you there. Thank you. Uh, but I was a big fan of those teams growing up, and yeah, I remember the game. K-State was uh, you know, staying nip and tuck with KU, never get it – Keeping it within about seven to, to three to two point range, but I remember uh, J.R. Gins hit a big three, and you know with his stupid headband and banging his chest, and it just makes my blood boil thinking I about it. I can tell. Yeah. Settle down. Yeah. Sit down. Okay. Okay. I'm good. I'm good. We're Are you good. all right? We can continue. We all can right. Continue. Uh, and a trio of questions from KSU underscore funny thirty three. This he's, is his third he's, and final. He's very active. Today. He had a lot That's of a good job by him. He had a lot on his mind. That's a good job. That's good work from him. Dude. And he he has a question that involves uh, two gentlemen we discussed earlier who happen to be Wildcat legends. He asks, Do Dermaine Diara and Sky Thomas deserve to have their their jerseys retired based on their hashtag legendary games in Allen Fieldhouse? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Put them yeah. up there. Uh, the, I mean, you you can scour. This this uh, this spinning rock, all over, and you're not gonna find two folks that have greater appreciation and admiration for what Dramond Diara and Skylar Thomas have done for Kansas State. So put them, yeah, retire their jerseys, do whatever. They're 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 legends and they're Wildcat legends and and, and legends of Kansas State. Our next question comes from listener Garrett Holiday at oh, okay. Garrett Holiday okay. on Twitter. It's a new one here. Huh? He says, first time, long time. Two different questions. I'll break these up so you'll only answer one at a time. Okay. How did we crown Bruce the Scorpion? I missed the reasoning behind that. So I believe this question came around maybe the time of our basketball preview edition, right around Halloween, where I believe... Um, you know, maybe we need to send out an all-points bulletin because we haven't heard much from her uh, lately. But Big Dog in Madison had asked if, if Bruce was going to dress up as something uh, for Halloween, what, what would it be? I said he should dress up as a scorpion. Yeah, and he, and, and he did. And people loved it. And I think it's very it's a great costume idea. But also, it, not only is it just a kind of a, a, a costume idea, I mean, that's not why we call him that. It's because it really embodies... The, the toughness, the character, and the fight of Bruce Weber. So that is why he is the Scorpion. And he goes out and he stings his haters. And he stings his haters, of which there are many, unfortunately, still. Very sad. And it's very unfair to him. But he uh, he does a great job, and uh, I'll tell you what. He left uh, Stillwater, a lot of people. A lot of venom. A lot of venom. Uh, well, not much venom left in the... Uh, in the holster because he was stinging people left and right. And you know, you know what else he does to people? What? He pinches them. Ow. 
How? <laughs> well, those big old lobster claws. Yeah, yeah that's right. Little, he does do that, doesn't he? His little scorpion hands. Yeah. But no, he's a scorpion, and he stings his haters, and he's got eight legs and a bad attitude. And he's he's coming for old... Uh, for Dollar Bill. For Dollar Bill, that's right. He's coming for him, and he's coming in for him in a big way. Uh, Garrett's next question is, uh, he says, I'm hearing the cats are minus one tomorrow. I know you said we were sweeping the beakers, but this has the feeling of a bad night coming. You laying those points? Well, as we said earlier, we're we're in agreement that K-State wins this game. and Heavy play. Heavy play. This is a max unit, stone cold lock of the year, bet your mortgage, double it up, and then on the way back home to wherever you go, Maybe stop by, grab a scratcher to cap, cap it off as a, as maybe, a big night. Maybe hit Prairie Band on the way home. Yeah, huh? absolutely. Go go play some Kino. Whatever works, man. Whatever works. All right, and our final question of the week comes from listener Quentin Hoover, who is a great listener and a former host. That's right. That's and maybe right. a future host. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Might Quint- have some things in the pipeline coming that's, that's, for you folks. That's at Quentin Hoover on Twitter. He asks, hello, Icon. What's the best sign you've seen from the K-State student section for a Sunflower Showdown in Bramlage? Oh, gosh. Uh, That's a great question. That's a good job there by Quentin. Um, Okay, so I remember it would have been the the game that we played against KU, Big Monday, uh, Bob Huggins, first and only year at Kansas State. There was a huge, um, like, professionally done sign. Like, this was like a vinyl deal here. Like, a, like it was almost like more of like a banner. Okay. That, and this is right after KU had gotten hit with, uh, by the NCAA, uh, with a lack of institutional control, which is something that they've been hit with several times in, in their, um, in their um, program's history. But I thought that was incredibly well done. I mean, but that's not my I don't I can't think of a favorite sign necessarily because there's just too many and that's the one that came to mind immediately. There's probably better ones out there that I'm for, I'm forgetting. D. Louis, do you have something up your sleeve that you might recall? There's there's two that come to mind. Okay, let's hear it. Um, I'll say first, my favorite sign was uh, during the Sharon Collins game. Oh, uh, that I know with, right where you're going here. With Sharon Collins good, wearing... That's a good job by you there. Wearing I a forgot little this one. elevator hat. Um, because, of course, the scandal that involved him, a young woman, in an elevator. Um, I thought that was very appropriate. But uh, there's another sign that I, I really liked, and I, I never saw it in person. But there's a picture of it uh, in the best sports bar in the country. Best college sports bar in the country. The best... The, the talk- only the only bar with a light up dance floor in Kansas. Are you talking about the only place you can go get the big kiter? That's right. I'm talking, of course, of kites. Uh, there's a sign there, and it's it, this must have been taken in Ahern, but there's people up in the rafters. I mean, seats so high that they go, you can see the beams in the ceiling, mm-hmm. and it's it's in black and white. This photo must have been taken in the 50s or 60s, but uh, the sign says. I'd rather be dead than root for KU. <laughs> I, I can, I can. I love it. That's just a straight to the point. I'll, I'll never root for KU. This reminds me of another. So another one of the. Uh, so I'm going back to that uh, game against uh, KU uh, when Bob Huggins was at the helm for Kansas State, and 
there was a nice chant because uh, there was a you may as you may remember uh, Brandon Rush, uh, KU standout, um, had I believe something filed against him for uh, not paying child support, mm-hmm. and they were chanting "Deadbeat Daddy" very loudly while he was shooting free throws. It's a sad, it's a sad situation. So, but that you got to give, uh, you got to give the student section and uh, the folks at Kansas State for uh, doing their homework for, for doing their homework and, and doing what they can do uh, to get under the skin. So you have to just have combing to the court records. And that's right uh, in Douglas County because you know that you're bound to find <laughs> you're bound to find something. So that's uh, does that wrap up? Ask the icon. That that was our final question in this week's edition. Okay. Well. Folks, we've laid it all out for you. It's going to be a great game on on Tuesday night. It's going to really uh, it, it can really bolster K State's case as a favorite in this league as a as a title contender for the regular season crown. And if there's a time to get KU right now, uh, this is the time to do it. So it should be a fun game. Hope to see you all out there. Hope to see uh, you're making some noise as K-State takes on KU. Uh, an 8 o'clock tip time as K-State takes on KU in Manhattan. Folks, that will do us for this edition of the Short Side Option. Thank you for listening. Go Cats, BKU. KU.